0: About the complex workings of an original, irresistible, utterly unpredictable software engineer. Tracy Kidder will tell us all about him and about the ways new money are reshaping our world Friday evening, September 30th at First Congregational Church, 2345 Channing Way in Berkeley. This KPFA benefit, wheelchair accessible, will be hosted by the excellent Mitch Jesrich. Tickets at brownpapertickets.com and supportive bookstores. More information on the KPFA website for Tracy Kidder, September 30th.
1: And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3.30. Stay tuned next for Cover to Cover. Good afternoon and welcome to cover-to-cover, cover, open book, or as I like to say, frame-to-frame. Frame. My name is Raina Cowan, and I'll be here for the next half hour talking about film. Uh, joining me today to talk about film is the director of programming from the Mill Valley Film Festival. Uh, I think I talk to Zoe Elton maybe every year, maybe every other year, and it's always a great pleasure. Uh, I love film, and so to... Talk to somebody who's probably watched, I don't know, 300, 500 films in one year uh, and has thoughts about all of them. It's just quite extraordinary. And we're here to talk about the Mill Valley Film Festival because it opens on October 6th and runs through the 16th um, at different theaters in Marin, at the Sequoia, the Rafael, the Larkspur Landing Theater, and the Lark, as well as all these special events. And uh, there's a great lineup of films. So, Zoe, welcome to KPFA. Thank you, Raina. Great to be back. Yeah, so, well, first I should ask you, what is it like watching so many films? Do you still get pleasure out of films in the same way that over time, after seeing so many, or has it become like a, I don't know, professional hazard, where you're always, like, looking to see what can be programmed and what works and what doesn't?
0: I think the professional hazard is perhaps the brain, you know, (laughs) because when you watch a film... Uh, you kind of want your heart to open and sometimes if you're watching bulk films let's say if you're watching film after film after film your brain will kick in and you'll see it you know from the perspective of what you're thinking rather than what you're feeling so um, I try to keep those things in balance and then of course you know when we're looking at films for the festival, we're looking at films with an audience in view and uh, with a sense of looking for what's up in the world and what filmmakers are thinking about and telling stories about. So I think that the ways that my fellow programmers and I engage with seeing multiple films sort of puts us into a different kind of way of seeing, let's say, than, than if we were just watching them for recreation only.
1: So, like, are you
0: paying attention then to what's
1: happening politically in the world and how people are covering it uh, in terms of their filmmaking as well as the artistic structure of what they're doing? Like, for example, I noticed that I watched a few films for the festival. So many of them opened up with scenes of beds. (laughs) Beds. Beds. (laughs) And I thought, well, that's really interesting. You know, why this year, why are films opening... With beds, uh, two were the nine, which I'll talk about in a little bit, which is a documentary about uh, sort of homeless and marginal people in Modesto. So the fact that it starts with a bed is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And then the um, the new film, The Salesman, by Oscar Ferhati, who mm-hmm. did a separation, it also starts with a bed. So you think, okay, is it a a metaphor and for what? And, and actually, in both films, it's metaphors for really different kinds of things.
0: Yeah, and actually the two that you choose are really interesting because they are both so radically different and they're both representative, representative of completely different cultures. So when you look at a film like The Nine, which is set in Modesto and you have a bed, it says something completely different from a film like Oscar film, film, um, The Salesman, when you think about the restrictions that Iranian filmmakers have on what they actually show and represent on film, and when you when you extrapolate that and you when you look at that in the terms of Iranian culture and the way that stories are told, you know so much about Iranian films is sort of rooted in uh, in poetry and in metaphor. So a bed in an Iranian film is going to say something very different from a bed. In Modesto, let's say. Yes. And,
1: yeah. and the bed in the Iranian film is this garish pink bed <laughs> which is so interesting because that film is really a film about a trauma that happens in a couple and how at first they just seem like such this loving, easygoing couple. Right. Um like all of his films, I think that there's some way where something happens and then there's a transformation internally and what they loved about each other is now what they hated about each other? Or is in question.
0: Or is, yeah. It's like, it's like their, their world is turned upside down by something that is sort of external, but is also very internal. Um, it, he, yeah, he has an amazing knack for doing that. And also, again, you know, within the restraints of what you can and can't show in a, in a culture that's very heavily um, censored. Right, and so one interesting point about that film, which is, it's called The Salesman
1: because they're both acting in Arthur Miller's a version of Arthur Miller's play, Death of a Salesman, of which uh, what they can actually act out is unclear because of what the censors may may forbid them for acting out or not. Mm -hmm. But then over time the play itself winds up becoming uh, sort of the fourth wall or the fifth wall in the production of the film so that you start seeing how uh, the desperation of Willy Loman somehow exists in a whole different form in this Iranian film.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 intriguing, you know, to sort of see a man and a woman both, you know, performing in a play um, and to see how they're, their creative lives also, uh, you know, are, are sort of reflected in their day-to-day lives, lives in a way.
1: Well, if I was going to say something about his filmmaking, some Mm. of his films I like, and Mm. a couple of them I I didn't really care for as much, is that there is a way where there is a force that we as the viewer have to deal with that is unexpected in a certain kind of way, Mm. Uh, which is very interesting how it plays out in a feature film, versus to switch back to The Nine again, mm. which is sort of, in some ways, this beautiful look at people who are completely disenfranchised who all live on this street in Modesto, uh, with the Tuolumne River sort of running nearby, uh, but they're all barely functional. And it starts with the story of this woman, Kiki, who basically says... We see her, after we see the bed, we see her like showering and you think, why are we, why are we watching something so intimate? And then she tells us that she, uh, this is the first time in a long time that she hasn't had to scrub her skin raw. We don't know why, but we know that we're starting with this incredibly intimate moment at the beginning of a film that uh, is somehow about the lives of all these people who are so down- downtrodden. Uh, so once again, there's this force that um, impacts us as an
0: audience. Yeah, and I think it works so strongly through um, imagery. I mean, both the visual imagery and the Im- the implications of images like the ones that you've just described. Um There's something about that kind of filmmaking or, you know, this filmmaking in general um, that I think can leave this sort of very indelible imprint on your psyche. You know, it's the kind of thing where if you describe to somebody, quote unquote, what it's about, they might say, oh, is that for me? Is that not for me? And it's really, I think, hard to describe The lasting impact that a film of that kind can actually have on you and the way that it opens you up. You know, it's one of those things that I think that you can do at a film festival is that you can take risks on things that you might not otherwise be drawn to. um, And you do it in the context of a festival where you're sort of with like minded people, you know, who are turning up to see film, to talk about film, and to look at the things that seem to be on the table for us. I mean, you were asking earlier about, you know, whether whether I, and I, I, I say we because I, you know, I'm a, I represent a team of people, um, are aware of what's going on politically and how that intersects with um, what we see in film stories. And that it takes such a long time to make a film as opposed to a news item or something like that, that really what we see from filmmakers has this sort of resonance with things that are deeply embedded in the culture and and things that we're concerned with. Um, But I think film can often take those kinds of stories into uh, something, into a level, to to a level that's actually... um, you know resonates for a long time you know it's it's not like you make a film yesterday you show it today and it's you know it's it's about something that's so current but I think with films like The Nine um, and you know and also Asuka Fahadi's Fahadi's film um, there's something about what cinema can do that um has a you know gives an, an incredible look at what we're dealing with in our personal lives and in our political lives
1: yes it's um it is interesting because they in some ways both films are dealing with gender but in yeah. in uh ways that you wouldn't it wouldn't be listed under categories that e- either of these films are about as gender and yet yeah, they all true. are you know, that they are dealing with those kinds yeah. of things or um, trauma or loss or uh, longing or all those different elements that somehow get woven together in the story. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, so uh, I don't I want to jump ahead because since we just talked about political things, uh, one of the films that just knocked my socks off was Fire at Sea. Mm. Uh an incredible film by Gianfranco Rossi. Uh, it won the Golden Bear at the Berlin International Film Festival this past year and is the Italian entry for the best foreign language film. And it looks at Lampedusa. Uh, Lampedusa is an island on the southern part of Italy, and it is uh, it became known as one of the first places where all these migrants from the African continent on boats, make their way to this island. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've seen a film that's taken place in Lampedusa before, and it was just sort of this kind of dusty, um, there's a lot of cacti, it's very um, sparse in all this way, rocky, beautiful. And so here it is. There is this influx of huge amounts of migrants coming Mm -hmm. every year. Mm -hmm. And... uh, it seems like that the stories that we've heard about migrants, uh, which are the political stories of opening up borders and then closing borders and then feeling paranoid about who's coming in and infiltrated and all those kinds of things are not what this film is about. It's this really beautiful documentary where, uh, two things are juxtaposed. On one level, we're seeing the different migrants coming in and then, and how, uh, There's a whole structure in terms of dealing with these people. And then it focuses on the story of both a doctor who takes care of people in the villages as well as the migrants and then also this boy who's like... He's he's making slingshots and he's trying to come to terms with um like who he is. It's this boy who lives in a island where everybody works in the sea, but he gets seasick. <laughs> so it's like these stories are kind of enfolded together in a documentary that is remarkable. It and it creates a sense of such um I don't know positive feeling about people who have suffered and are struggling, rather than
0: these other ideas that are in the news. It's so true, and I, I think, really, you know, you describe it as a documentary, which it is, but this film is such brilliant filmmaking that to call it anything other than a film, it, you know you know what I'm saying? Yes, I, mean, it's, yes. I mean, not to say that it's not a documentary, but it's one of those rare films where... It's being made by somebody who steps into a situation and is the, right, is the right pair of eyes and the right sensibility to see it and interpret it and tell those stories from, a, you know, from that particular perspective. I think one of the things that I found strongest about the film was that little boy that you mentioned. And the fact that we are... I mean, he almost becomes like your tour guide. Yes. You know, so what you get is a sense of being rooted on this island, and what it means to live there, and you know, just the the. I mean, he's a he's a he's a wonderful, quirky little chap, and having him as our you know almost anchor, to or the the doorkeeper to this um, place, is amazing because you begin to see it through his eyes, and through the eyes of the other people who are there and whose lives are being altered by what has become a very intense world event you know i mean it's it's happening there it's happening in so many places in the world and i think that he gets to this core humanity of what it's about and what the experience of this you know the refugee crisis is in a very very human level um I can't think of any other film that's quite like it. And he's coming, by the way. Oh, is he? Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. So, uh, actually, he and Asghar Fragadi are both coming to the festival. Wow. Which is pretty spectacular. So, I mean, this is, you know, to be able to have those conversations with those people, I think, with those filmmakers, is kind of great.
1: We're speaking with Zoe Elton, and we're talking about the Mill Valley Film Festival that starts October 6th and runs through the 16th in in Marin. You know, it's... It's really interesting because if I was going to think about how to make a film about Lampedusa Mm. and the migrant situation and what was happening, the idea of having it focus and star a a little local boy who... um, who isn't somebody who communicates through thinking but through you know action and yeah. uh is such a wild and wonderful choice um right. it, it almost feels almost like a legacy of italian filmmaking in a certain way where the kid winds up becoming the the storyteller for so much more in the film right
0: um yeah he is like the storyteller but, you know, it's, it's funny, too. I and mean, we were also showing the film The Eagle Huntress, um, which is about a girl who becomes the first eagle huntress in Mongolia, um, encouraged by her parents um, or her father particularly. And, you know, I, I think both with that film and with Fire at Sea, the thing that is so striking is that these documentary filmmakers or filmmakers happened to be in the right place at the right time or were drawn to the right story in the right moment and that they found the right cast of characters to tell those stories. I mean, with Eagle Huntress, you know, he he arrived there on the day that she went off and found her eagle. I mean, it's bizarre. How did that happen? You know, the gods were taking care of him,
1: as <laughs> you know. Well, right, that's so, it is so interesting how that happens, how, um, that there's these certain stories, and often, you know, I'll interview filmmakers who have been planning to tell one story, and then they realize that that's not where the story is at all. Yeah. So, um, that part is remarkable. Another film that I really liked is entitled Zuleika. It's... um, It's a a film by Eliza Petkova. She's a Bulgarian filmmaker who went and lived in Germany, went to school in Germany, to college there, and then to film school there. And it's a it's a story of in between two worlds. So this beautiful scenery in a remote village in Bulgaria, and there's this girl who, um, you know, who's a teenager who seems like is she oppositional and tough. Or is she really just a modern girl now that there's things like um, iPhones and other things? So that is it that she is actually fighting the culture or representing something else? And the film really is this... Juxtaposition between these two stories, which is quite interesting, so that they 're singing by these old women, and you think they 're not actors they're, these are people in the village mm. and then there 's this sort of insolent young woman who is trying to come to terms with herself and it 's really interesting because Eliza Petkova herself is from Bulgaria, so she goes there and makes this film that really captures something about a changing
0: time it's very interesting and dynamic filmmaking you know it's kind of intriguing too because there's another film that we're showing um by the german filmmaker doris duria who people here will know because she used to live in the bay area i think she lived in berkeley at one point um she's very involved with the zen community um her new film is called fukushima mon amour um and she too is one of those filmmakers who will go in with an idea but keeps an openness to where the story may take her um and this is one of those stories i mean she goes to fukushima to see what the you know the fallout of the fallout has been and um the story sort of focuses on um a young woman uh, a western woman who then sort of becomes taken in by um an older Japanese woman. So it's it's almost like a um, how is it she described it? Kind of like um, uh, you know, like a, a a Zen teacher kind of thing. Although it's it's much much more eccentric than that. Um, but that you know that was one of the other things that's come out of this year that sort of has happened very organically, uh, is that there are several films from Germany, in particular that. Um, were suggesting that this was a very strong year for German cinema. Um, but interestingly, several of them were by women. So Doris's film, the one you just described, um, 24 Weeks uh, by Anna Zora, Barashed, um, and then also Tony Erdmann, um, a film by Maren Arde, um, which uh, played at the, the Cannes Film Festival in the same way that Fire at Sea was sort of the popular hit in Berlin this year this film Tony Erdmann was kind of like the the popular hit in Cannes um and again it's very um very idiosyncratic personal filmmaking and storytelling it's about um a, a professional woman whose extremely eccentric father shows up and they've been estranged and he's it's almost like he's sort of trying to I was going to say woo her, but, you know, like just reconnect with his daughter, but in some of the most eccentric ways that you would ever imagine. And it's it's a comedy, but it has this sort of wily, unusual, original sensibility that uh, made it a real standout for me this year.
1: Well, it's it's so interesting because you're talking about films and I realize that there's a whole list of all the famous people who are coming. Right. right? I sort of like, oh, I somehow don't take that as a priority for me. Although I was really excited to see that Julie Dash is coming who did Daughters of the Dust. And I remember interviewing her when that film came out many years ago. Uh, And it's a a story that takes place on one of the Gullah Islands off of the Carolinas. And she's a African-American filmmaker, incredible, beautiful vision. Uh, She was somebody who I think everybody thought she's the one who's going to make it and uh, that we will see thousands of films by her, Mm -hmm. that she had such both visual and uh, concrete storytelling abilities. And then
0: it it didn't happen. It's interesting. Uh, She... I mean, in a way, she—you she, would have thought she would have been the Ava DuVernay of her generation. Yes, and, in, and of course she was. You know, I mean, it, it's people like her whose film, which was the first, you know, she was the first um, African American woman to have a general, you know, general theatrical release of a film. Um, you know, and she's a pioneer in that way. She's a door opener. Um, But it's 25 years ago. And the great thing about showing this film again this year is that it's just been um, restored digitally. Um, And I actually talked with her a couple of weeks ago. And in the digital restoration, they've actually managed to get a picture that is, you know, the, the, the quality of the picture is much better than it was when it was first released oh. because she was working on a limited budget. So they went through, you know, the first couple of answer prints and they never, you know, they, they, they didn't have enough money to get it to that final, final print that would have just been absolutely pristine. So the digital doorway has been opened and, um, you know, we're excited to see this this new print that uh, Cohen Media has, has um has made, But, I, I, you know, that said, in terms of her career, I mean, she's maintained a career. But I almost feel like her career has been that of an artist and not of the mainstream filmmaker that it seemed like she could have become. And with something like Daughters of the Dust, I feel like it was a seminal film. It was a film that affected so many people. And, you know, I mean, I have to say to anyone who hasn't seen it, please come. And especially to those who did see it and who have younger people in their lives, you know, I feel like we need the next generation to experience what this film is because I, it's such a timeless piece of art, you know. I just think it's so important.
1: Well, it is interesting how certain films hold up. Mm. And there was a way that she played with time and movement yeah. Because uh, she was telling a story about something that happened long before, right? Uh, and uh, you know, that's different scenes, like of being somebody being in a tree or a picnic, or different images mm. from the film have stayed with me, even though it's you said twenty five 25 years. Is, yeah. So that's so interesting. Yeah. Uh, are there other films that uh, really strike you in terms? Of, you know, you mentioned Lamb, which mm. I. Uh, I didn't get a chance to see but sounded incredibly exciting to me.
0: Yeah, Lamb is um an Ethiopian film. Uh that was made last year. Um it was I think the first Ethiopian film to play at the Cannes Film Festival, you know, for whatever that means. But it's also a first feature um and it's a really really beautiful piece of filmmaking. It's a it's about a boy um whose mother has passed away um who is taken by his father to live with relatives so that you know he can figure out how to live um he brings with him his lamb who is his uh you know his adored animal and he finds himself really in the company of a lot of women um of the relatives who are around him um and Another thing we discover is that he has um, a talent for cooking, which is unusual for a boy. So it's a film that tells a story in a very sort of gentle opening way, um, but also looks at, you know, what it is to be a boy in those circumstances. You know, what your resources are as a kid um, who is having to sort of... You know, or not necessarily pay his way, but you know, be a productive member member of his family. Um, you know, and how he sort of discovers how he can do that, how he can protect his lamb from uh, becoming the 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 next meal, oh. which he does. So, you know, it's um, it's a really subtle, beautiful piece of storytelling. And I think, um, you know, it's hard to make a film anywhere, but to make a film in Africa. Anywhere on the continent, pretty much, other than perhaps South Africa and the, some parts of the North, it's a it's an act of heroism, you know. So, you know what you're up against in terms of uh, funding, weather, um, actors is is extraordinary. Um, so it was really thrilling to me to see a really really successful first feature uh, from Ethiopia.
1: You know, and this is the other part about film festivals, is that there are are some people who want to go to the films that are going to be released before they're released, and you have a lot of those kinds of films. But there's some films that if you don't see them in the festival, you'll never can see them. Right. And you have your list. And like, I tell people, oh, you should see this. Well, there's no place. So Lamb might be one of those kinds of films.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. You know, we tried to get it for the festival last year, and you'd think that it would be as simple as, you know, contacting the sales agent saying we'd like to show the film and they say oh yes great and it wasn't you know they expected to try and get you know some big uh, American distributor to take it on Um, and you know a year later you know they have they actually do have a small distributor but it's not going to be a film that you're going to get to see a lot in a theater near you. Well, Zoe Elton, Director of Programming for the Mill Valley Film
1: Festival, it's always so fun to talk to you. The festival runs October 6th through the 16th in Marin at the Sequoia Theater, the Rafale, the Larkspur Landing, and the Lark. You can go to their website at uh, millvalleyfilmfestival.com, mvff.com, to get a list of... These films that we talked about and all the others get tickets in advance. Um, there's all these cultural events. There's music that goes with some of the films. There is... Um There's parties, there's experimental films, there's a lot of docs, um, and a lot of local filmmakers. So I want to thank you so much for joining us today and talking about the festival and the films. Raina, thank you
0: so much for having me here.
1: Uh, My name's Raina Cowan. You've been listening to Cover to Cover, Open Book, Frame to Frame. I'll be back next month talking more about film. Thanks so much for joining me. The Hunting Ground is a shocking documentary film and a book revealing the inside story of sexual assault on American college campuses. KPFA is proud to show this brilliant work of film activism and to present filmmaker and author Amy Ziering, an Academy Award nominee and Emmy Award winner. One night only, Tuesday, October 11th at 7.30. The film will screen and the author will speak at the First Congregational Church, 2345 Channing Way in Berkeley. This KPFA benefit is wheelchair accessible. I'm Joanna Monqueros, a graduate of UC Berkeley.